0: This is From the Top, where outstanding young musicians come to play. I'm your host, pianist Peter Dugan. You just heard 17 year old cellist Danielle Yoon from Frisco, Texas, perform the first movement of Beethoven's Sonata for Cello and Piano in D major, opus 102, number 2. The pianist was Yuri Iwasaki. Today's show is going to take us on a journey all over the country. We'll meet six exceptional young musicians from South Carolina. To Massachusetts, to California, and more. And whether they come from a rural town in the South, like 16 year old mandolinist Carrera Stamil, or from the city of Philadelphia, like 16 year old flutist Julian Chung, these young people have magnetic energy. It flows through their music, and I know you're just going to be enchanted by these performances, and even more so by the performers themselves. But before we jump back in, a big thank you to the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism for sponsoring today's program. From the Top is just thrilled to feature young musicians from across the Bay State throughout the year, as well as regularly recording and producing our program in the greater Boston area. Okay, let's head to the studio now and meet Danielle Yoon, that fantastic cellist we heard just a few moments ago. Danielle, welcome to From the Top.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Um... Actually, this has been a dream of mine since I was very little. Even before I picked up the cello, uh, my mom would show my sister and I videos from from the top. Um, Wow. Yeah, I still remember, like, some of my favorite episodes that I would watch, like, over and over again. Like, uh, Charles Yang, for example. Yes. Um, I still remember, like, his first episode of him uh, giving, like, a small tour of Austin
0: Yes, Um, when they celebrated Charles Yang Day. Yes,
1: I still remember that. (laughs) I just, yeah. So this is so surreal to me. And, um, yeah, thank you so much for being a big part of why I started music.
0: Well, it means the world to all of us at From the Top to hear that. So great to have you on the show. And you've brought one of my favorite pieces, personally, from the cello literature Your sense of style in this music is just impeccable. Your timing, your articulation, I really enjoyed it.
1: Thank you so much.
0: There's so much emotion in your performance. I know that you kind of identify as a fairly emotional person, and in (laughs) fact, when you were younger, sometimes it was like almost like too much emotion uh, outpouring. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, so... (laughs) I was a very emotional person. I still am a very emotional person. um, But especially when I was little, I was very sensitive. Whenever I had cello lessons, I would always cry. Like every single lesson, I would cry, even (laughs) at the tiniest things. Keep in mind, like my cello teacher was the sweetest person ever. She was never mean to me. She was so patient with me. But I, I would just always cry for some reason. And my mom obviously hated it and she didn't want to see me cry anymore (laughs) so she kind of put a bet on the table or like a deal i would say that Uh if you don't cry then i'll get you a mcdonald's soft serve ice cream cone so that was kind of like our ritual every time i didn't cry she would buy me a soft serve ice cream cone from mcdonald's
0: (laughs) beautiful the power of bribery (laughs) You are now making waves uh, in your community. You've started the first Asian American Association at your school. Talk to me about why that's important to you and what kind of work you're doing with that group.
1: Yeah, so my parents are both from South Korea and um, they came to the US and I was born here. So understanding my cultural identity and where my family comes from is very important to me. And I joined this program under the Korean American Youth Foundation, um, which Mm -hmm. is based in New York. And that program was super eye-opening for me. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: I wanted to give that kind of exposure to the peers at my school as well. So Mm -hmm. this school year, I co-founded the club Asian American Student Association, where we just talk about our Asian American identity, whether it be through music, history... I just really hope that it becomes a space for my peers to be able to connect on a deeper level uh, with their background, just like um, I was able to as well.
0: Yeah, it's so wonderful that you're doing that and the leadership that you're taking in your community, in addition to all of your accomplishments in the music world too. Danielle, it's been so great getting to know you and thank you for being here on From the Top and so great to have you as part of our From the Top family.
1: Thank you so much.
0: That was 16 year old cellist Danielle Yoon from Frisco, Texas. Next up, we head north to Mendota Heights, Minnesota to meet 17 year old pianist William Gannon. That was seventeen-year-old Will Gannon from Medota Heights, Minnesota, playing the first movement of Schubert's Wanderer Fantasy, Opus Fifteen. What a thrilling performance, Will! Um, what do you love about this music?
3: It's difficult to define because it's not something that's really easy for me to put into words. I'm just really impressed by how fluid the emotional quality of this piece is. Like mm. one moment, you'll just be storming along, just thundering diminished chords and then the next you'll just be in this absolutely serene stillness in the space of like just a few measures it's pretty incredible and it never sounds forced
0: yeah tell me your vision of how you want to help extend the reach of classical music
3: i just want to normalize the idea of having programs where there are new things on them because i Mm -hmm. think that you know it can be easy to fall into the trap of thinking that, oh, classical music is like a rigid, staunch institution with this set repertoire that everybody follows. That is just ridiculous because there is a time (laughs) where all of these centuries-old classics that we play were brand new. They even yep. have like visceral audience reactions. I mean, yeah. Bach was incredibly controversial in his time for how dense and convoluted his counterpoint was to an unlearned listener, but we listen to his stuff now and we're absolutely in love with it. And I want to convey that same feeling both by, you know, bringing freshness to existing works and also playing works by composers other people might may not have heard of. Um Yeah. Anytime I hear the phrase Classical music is just music by 18th century old white European dudes. That just makes <laughs> me like so angry on like a whole other level because there is so much great music out there by composers of all different kinds of demographics and it's still being written today. Right. And I want to, exactly, and I want that to be the image that everybody has of classical music. It's just, I feel so strongly about this and it's only yeah. increased.
0: I love that you're so passionate about this. And it is young people like yourself who are the future of this art form, you know. Um, you're helping to keep classical music not only alive but, but relevant and ever evolving. What kinds of music inspire you, like composers or musicians from all different styles? I think that my first is Jacob Collier. Mm-hmm.
3: Even if you're like not in super close musician circles, you've probably heard this name at least once before. He's um, I don't even know what his primary instrument is, but he plays so many things like keyboard, bass, guitar, drums, vocals. He even made his own instrument that he plays called the harpeggi. It's absolutely ridiculous. The kinds of things bouncing around in this guy's <laughs>
0: mind. You are such an impressive musician. You're so sophisticated and, you know, your musical palette and knowledge is really deep basically in short keep being you will gannon you're awesome (laughs) thank you will gannon 17 years old from mendota heights minnesota it was really fun to meet will he kind of reminded me in some ways of myself at that age like his enthusiasm for taking in all kinds of musical styles and tinkering around with composition what a creative guy Next, we're going to be heading to Massachusetts, where you'll hear 17 year old violinist Kay Obata, and I'm going to be joining him on the piano.
4: Support for NPR comes from this station and from Apple Music, including Apple Music Classical, a new app designed for the nuances of classical music, included with select Apple Music subscriptions and available now in the App Store. From BritBox, with The Confessions of Franny Langton, one woman's story of courage, murder, and forbidden love in this new original drama. Available to stream at BritBox.com slash NPR. And from listeners like you who donate to this NPR station.
0: That was 17-year-old violinist Kay Obata performing Waves at Play by Edwin Grass. Kay is now studying at Andover in Massachusetts, and I had the great privilege of joining him on the piano. Kay, beautiful performance. Such a treat to play with you. Thank you so much. Now, I just said that you're studying at Andover, but that's not where you're from originally, right? Where do you yeah. identify as, as home? Like, yeah. You are from where?
5: So it's sort of a long story, but I was born in Tokyo, Japan, and then... Uh-huh. Moved to Australia when I was two.
0: Whoa. Yeah, and
5: then moved back to Japan. And then finally, when I was four, we found a home in New York, Westchester, New York. Yeah. And I kind of grew up my entire life there. Um, In terms of culture, I think actually a little more of Japan because Hmm. all my relatives are from there. My Mm -hmm. parents are from there. Um, I go back there every summer. And it's almost like where you were born, I feel like you kind of instinctively associate with no matter how Mm -hmm. long you spent time
0: in other countries. Well, that's the beautiful thing about identity, right, is that it can be a sort of beautifully messy combination of many, many things. Yeah, Yeah. and that makes you you. UK have one of my favorite origin stories about how you got started Mm. on the instrument. Can you tell me how that all went down? Yeah. So when I
5: was four, I asked Santa, which I didn't know who Santa was at the time, for a violin, and I found out next morning... Um, that had, like, a huge, full-size violin under my Christmas tree with, like, broken strings. And I was oh. like, this is
0: not what I hoped. Uh, so, so what happened? Did you try to return it to Santa's workshop? or how, how um, how So I left it down. untouched, for, like, for all my life. I don't know
5: where it is now. But I decided to buy, like, uh, I asked my parents this time for, for a violin uh-huh. and... Um, they did a little bit more research. (laughs) (laughs) Santa was lazy. Yeah, Santa was (laughs) lazy. And so they got me
0: like, I think it was a one-eighth. I'm so glad that you (laughs) stuck with the violin. And then I know you, I think, switched to another teacher at some point. Yeah. And at that time, you had an experience that that motivated you to, I think in your own words, get better and do better. Yeah. Um, What was that about? So
5: during the summer, I think whatever year that was, um, I went to Summit Music Festival Mm -hmm. and I wasn't really expecting Mr. Roseanne, he passed away, but Mr. Aaron Roseanne to like accept me as a student then, Mm. but Mm -hmm. he took me for like a couple weeks and then I met all these great, they were much older than me, they're like college students, um, but they were just incredibly good Mm. and I kind of lived in like a small bubble before with like my teacher, um, like the radio in the car and then just me playing Right. So I didn't really, like, I wasn't exposed to, like, all these, my peers and different levels of playing, Mm -hmm. per se. So I kind of, that was sort of, like, the the turning point of, like, how I saw myself. I mean, yeah, I
0: I think that's kind of a rite of passage for most classical musicians that we find ourselves switching to that tough teacher who kind of... Shows us, oh, we still have a way to go, right. and it's good to and you have to persist through that. But to do that, it, you have to be kind of vulnerable and allow yourself to open up to that kind of feedback. Right. But but you say that, um, that you're comfortable being vulnerable, you're not afraid to be vulnerable.
5: What does yeah. that mean for you? I think vulnerability comes with also like recognizing both your strengths and weaknesses mm-hmm. and being very like humble about yourself, and I think that's the only way to grow at, at a certain point, um, yeah, and so. I think once I kind of passed that point of like, I have to be honest with myself and see how others see me, then started to like recognize where I can grow, where my strengths were. Kay, thank you just for
0: spending time with with us today. And it's so great to get to know you and to get to play with you.
5: Thank you so much for playing
0: with me. It
5: was a pleasure working with you.
0: Kay Obata, 17 years old, originally from Japan, then lived in New York, now living and studying in Andover, Massachusetts. As you heard, Kay is such a deep thinker and just a great human being as well as a violinist. Plus, he really keeps busy. Actually, the morning of that performance, he took the SATs. Classic from the top moment. We're headed now to small town South Carolina to meet our next performer, 16-year-old Carrera Stamil, who is going to charm us on her gorgeous mandolin. 16-year-old Carrera Stamil performed Bach's partita in E major for solo violin, the first movement, the prelude, but on the mandolin. Such a delightful performance. I've always loved that piece, Carrera, but what you brought to it was just magical. Thank you. So I mentioned that we haven't had a mandolinist on From the Top in over a decade. Tell me how you got started On the mandolin?
2: Well, I used to play violin actually. I played violin for eight years and I had to stop violin because I have a bone disorder in my collarbone, which made Mm. it hard for me to bow the instrument. It it, it irritated it. And so we were looking for another instrument that I could play because I really wanted to keep doing music and I, I couldn't just stop. And so we were looking for different instruments and we came across this recording of Chris Thiele on youtube mm-hmm. playing the bach g minor violin sonata number 1 mm. and then it's that's kind of started from there and then we found a builder in the united states and that's when i got my first mandolin
0: <laughs> so your first mandolin was built for you
2: specifically well the builder well, he builds mandolins but he builds them in a violin scale and so regular mandolins oh. it was hard for me to play because my hands were small but he right, right. was able to make mandolins with a violin scale neck and so it was easier for me to play that at at first
0: oh wow so it made the switch like more seamless from violin into mandolin yes I want to congratulate you for winning the Jack Kent Cook Young Artist Award Uh, we're so happy for you and so glad that we're able to play some small role in supporting your musical development what do you plan to do with the funds from the Cook Award
2: Well, I've already used some of it. I was able to get this mandolin that I performed on. And I'm also able to go to a music intensive this year. It's called Masterworks Festival. It's going to be held in Kentucky. And I was able to go to this last year. And I really loved it. And I wasn't sure if I'd be able to do it again the next year. But this is going to make it possible for me to do that.
0: Good. I'm so glad that you're getting to have that experience and also to play on this new mandolin, which sounds just beautiful. Congratulations, Carrera, and thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Thank you. That was 16-year-old mandolinist Carrera Stamil from Roebuck, South Carolina. Well, we have to take a break now, but please stay tuned. We've got two more brilliant musicians coming up. We'll travel from sea to sea. First with a flutist from Philadelphia performing Samuel Barber's Canzone, which is a gorgeous sort of reimagination of a movement from his piano concerto. And then we'll go to California for a heartbreakingly beautiful rendition of a Chopin nocturne, made even more poignant when you hear this young artist's story. You're listening to From the Top, and I'm pianist Peter Dugan. Did you know that From the Top posts short, beautiful videos of our young musicians every day? The series is called Daily Joy. Treat yourself to youthful inspiration daily. Sign up at fromthetop.org.
4: Support for NPR comes from this station and from the Massachusetts Cultural Council, a state agency connecting young people with the arts in schools and in their communities. Learn more at massculturalcouncil.org. And from Dignity Memorial, helping families plan life celebrations now so their loved ones are protected later, because nobody should have to plan for a loss while they're experiencing one. Learn more at DignityMemorial.com. And from the listeners who support this NPR station.
0: This is From the Top, where outstanding young musicians come to play. I'm your host, pianist Peter Dugan. Today's program, featuring a musician from the Bay State, is sponsored by the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism, offering visitors information about the arts, culture, and history of Massachusetts. The journey begins at visitma.com. It's so great to be here with all of you this week and every week. Thanks to the generosity of Susan and Gerald Slavitt now let's meet someone who lives in my hometown of Philadelphia. I had the great honor of collaborating with this super talented, and I have to say, very grounded 16-year-old flutist, Julian Chung. Julian, welcome to From the Top. Mm-hmm. Pleasure to be here. It's great to have you, and I'm really excited about the piece we're going to play together. What is this?
6: Uh, the piece that we'll be playing is Samuel Barber's Canzone for Flute and Piano. Uh, it was written in, I think, 1959. And then it was adapted for the Piano Concerto in 1960. Right. And then Samuel Barber finally published it uh, under Canzone mm-hmm. in
0: 1962. Yeah. A cool sort of back and forth history there, mm-hmm. originally conceived for the flute. Mm-hmm. And even in the Piano Concerto, I mean, the flute is such a prominent yeah. voice. Um, I'm going to head over to the piano, and whenever you're ready, we can take it from the top. Great. 16-year-old flutist Julian Chung from Philadelphia performed Samuel Barber's Canzone for flute and piano with me Peter Dugan at the piano. I'm here with Julian now. That was just so gorgeous, so magical the the colors you get out of the flute. I love the range of emotion you brought to the piece. Ah, uh, thank you. I love playing with you too because you are such a sensitive musician to mm. to the harmonies that are happening around you. You know, even mm-hmm. though you're just playing one single note at a time, you're inflecting it with these different mm. colors and different moods. And that's inspiring for me to play with. So I, it was just a treat. Oh, yeah.
6: Uh, same. I really like when, you know, you kind of pull and push into the harmony. It's kind yeah. of, you, you set it up. And you, uh, you know, like each chord kind of has a function through the piece. Right. And I think if you kind of emphasize that function, it just, it adds even more kind of tension.
0: Right. Um, you recently had a big... Move. You grew up in Seattle. Now you're living in Philadelphia and studying there at Curtis. Um, talk to me about what the transition has been like for you. That's, that's a big deal.
6: Well, I think the beginning was a little bit tough because we, we moved from this nice kind of almost rural area of Washington. Uh-huh. And then during the pandemic, like mid-pandemic, we moved to the bustle of the city. Uh, but unfortunately, wow. I think at that time, Philly was pretty quiet. Right, And there mm-hmm. wasn't much to do. all the restaurants were closed, right um all the orchestra was closed, yeah. and the school was closed. So we kind of moved for no reason. I don't want to say that, <laughs> but we kind of we moved early, definitely, yeah, but I think, but were you getting lessons in person? At no that time? it was it was all, online. all virtual Wow, but I think it was a really good experience' cause I kind of I learned how to just kind of keep myself occupied, and I had a lot of like personal goals, hmm. especially in my playing. And it was really kind of like an introspective time, but I really enjoyed it.
0: So talk me through life as a teen studying at Curtis. I mean, Mm -hmm. what is your day like? Where are you doing your sort of typical high school coursework? And then how often are you actually at Curtis? I'll wake up
6: and I'll try and do some schoolwork. So I'm homeschooling for Uh all my academic school. It's just easier for me to kind of manage my time. Right, right. And then... We usually have rehearsals in the evening, like orchestra, chamber, lessons. It's usually after like one o'clock. So I'll try and get to school at around 11. Okay. And then just practice basically until I've got a rehearsal. Yep. And then I'll usually eat dinner there. And then I'll practice a little bit in the evening too. So it's pretty well divided between a day. I usually spend the second half of my day at Curtis and then the first half at home.
0: On the academic stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it's rare for someone at your young age, you know, you're 16, to have such a mature perspective on balance and the need for balance in one's life. Um, Has that been key in helping you survive the intensity of studying at Curtis?
6: For sure. I think that in order for you to kind of play music well, you need to experience other things Mm -hmm. and you need to have a life outside of music, because Mm -hmm. how are we supposed to kind of portray these these emotions if we don't have them ourselves. Right. So I think kind of getting out every weekend and like I would go skiing and just kind of thinking about how fun it is to ski and how exhilarating it can be Mm -hmm. and then kind of taking that and putting that when I play, I think it's a lot more effective.
0: Time away from the instrument is a good thing. I agree. Julian, it's no surprise to me that you have such a clear way of thinking about life and about the world, because that's the way you approach music too, uh, um, with balance, with thoughtful intention. Uh, it's really such a pleasure to get to know you. Oh, my pleasure too. Julian Chung, 16 years old, from Philadelphia, PA. It was so great to meet Julian, and I also got to chat with his mom at the recording studio, and I was so struck by the dedication of Julian's parents. I mean, they uprooted their lives in Seattle to support Julian's dream of taking pre-college classes at the Curtis Institute of Music in Philadelphia. So just a big shout out to all the parents who are behind the scenes supporting our young musicians. They just wouldn't be here without you. Our last performer brings us out west near California's capital city of Sacramento. He's going to stop you in your tracks and just have you mesmerized with this Chopin Nocturne. It's one of my favorites. I play it all the time, but I have to say, Nathaniel brought a peace and calm to his performance that really captivated me. And I think you're going to love it too. Hey, what's up, Nathaniel? Hello, Peter. It's
7: great to be here. Great to meet you. Uh, Super excited to be on From the Top.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to have you. Um, You're going to perform one of my all time favorite pieces and probably a favorite of. Many of our listeners, what is this gorgeous piece of music you're going to play? Uh,
7: so, today I'll be playing Chopin's Nocturne in D flat major, opus 27, number two. Uh, it was a piece that I fell in love with when I was like nine, ten years old. Mm-hmm. And I feel so happy and so honored that I can play this piece.
0: Great. Take it from the top. That was 15-year-old pianist Nathaniel Zhang from Folsom, California, performing Chopin's Nocturne, Opus 27, Number 2 in D-flat major. Wow, Nathaniel, you totally captured the magic, the starry night, the lyricism of that piece. Just beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, Nathaniel, before we hit record on this interview, man, we found out that you and I have a little difference of opinion on sports teams. Yeah, um, we we do, we do. Yeah, yeah, I know, you're a 49ers fan, I'm an Eagles fan, but look, let's put that aside, because one thing we both love is Chopin. Absolutely. Yeah, for you, though, it's especially the Etudes, right? For sure. The
7: Etudes Opus 10 have been a long-term project that I've been working on for the past few years, and I think they're really emblematic of my musical journey thus far. Essentially, I started learning these etudes, thinking of them as just technical works, as mm-hmm. fast, loud pieces. But over the time that I've been with them, I've come to appreciate the deep music and the deep beauty that exists in these pieces. And it's really
0: helped me fall in love with music so much. Yeah, you're doing it right. Nathaniel, you perform so beautifully you know on the concert stage but i know some of your most memorable performances have been off of the stage.
7: Yeah, so uh one quick story was when i was in 5th grade one day during recess i saw this there's this old beat down piano just sitting in the corner of the lunchroom. I just decided to go up there and play a short little piece and you know it was for the first and second graders. And my principal happened to notice it. Then our school district basically sent someone to come and record my performance. Wow. And that video got posted to Facebook. Uh And somehow it got viral. And it really helped me realize the power that classical music can have on people.
0: Yeah, totally. Before we go, if you're comfortable talking about it, I was curious if you'd talk a little bit about you know, the loss of your mom, which I understand happened a few years ago and that you, I think you've described her as sort of an MVP when it comes to, to your life. I
7: mean, she, she really did everything for me. She, she was the one that booked all our plane tickets to Seattle. She was the one that, you know, kept track of all my lessons, all my pieces, all my repertoire. You know, she was the one that sat next to me when I practiced and you know, vibed with the music. Mm -hmm. I, you you never get over it. And I, I I don't think I will ever get over, um, not having my mom because there's nothing that can replace the void that is in my life. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, uh, losing her has kind of forced me to maybe grow up more. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm. as in like i have no choice but to learn to you know take care of myself be the person that speaks up for myself you know manage myself manage my time it's 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 really hard for me to put into words uh the the sadness i feel when she's not there you know i think even though it's super hard to cope with what happened i still you know try to Remember her whenever I perform, like, for example, sometimes when I get on the stage and before I play, you know, I'll do a short prayer um, to God and to her and just be like, you know, help me, you know, help me to do my best and to express whatever I feel. It's important for me, at least, to have something that
0: centers my life and that centers my purpose. Yeah, yeah keep the faith with what you're doing because it's truly beautiful and that that Chopin was honestly stunning um thank you uh, yeah you cast a spell on all of us thanks for that
7: thank you so much it's been a
0: pleasure that was 15 year old pianist Nathaniel Zhang from Folsom California that's our show for today folks thank you to all our performers I'm so grateful for the opportunity to play with some of them and to learn from all of them. It's been a real joy to feel their hopeful energy today. And to you listening at home or in the car or enjoying a nature walk by a babbling brook, thanks for spending this time with us. I'm your host, pianist Peter Dugan. Please join me next week and we'll take it from the top. Thank you to Steve Call at Wild Sound Recording Studio in Minneapolis, Minnesota, to The Record Company in Boston, Massachusetts, and Sear Sound in New York City. Thanks also to Kenny Harrington at Echo Mountain Recording Studios in Asheville, North Carolina, and Kent Stump at Crystal Clear Sound in Dallas, Texas. And finally, thank you to Cody Hamilton at Schumann Music Studio in San Francisco, California. From the Top is produced by Megan Swan and Jessica Ticton. Sound design and music editing by John Escobar with editing and mastering by Rodrigo Cuenca. Our production manager is Amanda Roth. From the Top's executive director is Gretchen Nielsen. From the Top is an independent nonprofit organization based in Boston. If you'd like to appear on our program, apply online at fromthetop.org. From the Top is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts. On the web at arts.gov.
4: Support for NPR comes from this station and from the Jack Kent Cook Foundation, providing scholarships to high-achieving students with financial need jkcf.org. From BritBox, with Sister Boniface Mysteries, brilliant crime-solving nun Sister Boniface returns to solve curious cases in this Father Brown spinoff, available to stream at britbox.com npr. And from the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation at macfound.org.
0: Thanks for listening to our podcast. You know, while From the Top is distributed by NPR, it isn't owned by NPR. It's an independent nonprofit, and so we have to do our own fundraising to make it happen. Please consider making a donation to our ongoing entertainment and education programs at fromthetop.org. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Viore. A new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to vioricom NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Rosetta Stone, an expert in language learning for 30 years. Right now, NPR listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership to 25 different languages for 50% off. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. This election season, you can expect to hear a lot of news, some of it meaningful, much of it not. Give the Up First podcast 15 minutes, sometimes a little less, and we'll help you sort it out. What's going on around the world and at home. Three stories, 15 minutes, Up First every day. Listen every morning, wherever you get your podcasts.